Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Hello. I'm excited to bring you a word from the Lord. Anyone else need a word from the Lord this morning? Yeah. And on this Mother's Day, it's kind of the very thing that I want for my kids. It's God's will for their life. So here's the deal. I've come to realize anything I want for them has to sometimes go through me first. Have you noticed that? Anything you long for them and what this is going to be, I hope, is a perspective shift. And, and it's a word that might change you before anything changes. That's my hope and my prayer. Is that this, these words that many of you have maybe even heard before, these words from the Lord would shift your perspective to the circumstances that haven't changed one bit. And the next generation, I promise you, they will notice if there's a lightness in you, if there's rejoicing in you. Let's get to the word. I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, perfect. Here it goes. First Thessalonians chapter five, Paul writes this to the church regarding the will of the Lord. He says this, First Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16 to 18. You ready for the God's, God's will for you? Here's what it is. Rejoice when? How are we doing so far? <laughs> Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Anyone else grateful it says in them, not for them? He's not asking us to say thank you for the hard thing, but he's asking you to have an attitude of gratitude right in the middle of it. How in the world can we get there? Good, we keep reading. For this is God's will for you, and here's how. In Christ Jesus. How can we have this attitude of gratitude, praying continually, rejoicing, or modern day translation, celebrating always? How can that be possible, especially when things are not easy, circumstances are not easy, life is difficult? And it's not just that life and people are difficult, it's that those difficulties actually affect us. Anyone else? It's like life can be difficult, people can be difficult, it's when it affects us. Like if I'm driving on the freeway and someone speeds past, no problem, that's their poor choice. But it's when they pull in front of me and slow down. <laughs> you wanna know what God's will for you in that moment? Rejoice, always. <laughs> Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. When I started studying this passage, the very week I started studying this passage, I was driving on the freeway and suddenly out of nowhere, a stray piece of wood flies up out of nowhere, scratches the entire hood of my car and then crashes my entire windshield and flies away. The next day, my car's broken into. <laughs> Later on that week, I get an email from an, an older woman in my church who said her credit cards weren't working with Amazon. It was her, her best friend's birthday and she didn't want to miss the chance, but she knew she could rely on me to send over a $250 birthday thing through Amazon. And just here's the note you can attach and it could be from me. If you could put my name that it's from me and then send it off. And I said, of course. 
So I sent off the 250. I'm like, that is generous too, but we're friends, right? <laughs> sent off the $250. And right when the, the email went through, through Amazon gift card, I got an email from the person. Thank you so much. Um, it actually wasn't enough. Can you send another 400? you do this when life's not fair? Here's how. You recognize that there's two ways of saying that exact phrase. The first way is how we generally say it. Life goes sideways. Life's not fair. Why? Because what we expect is for life to, and people to be easy. Children to be obedient. Spouses to be servants. Work to be easy, bosses to be generous. I mean, life's not fair. Stray pieces of wood to hit people who sin greater than me. That's the first way of saying it. And I'm here to tell you the, rate, the way that this will ever be possible is when you understand the second way of saying the exact same phrase. Life is not fair. If you go back to our anthropology, how we were created in Genesis chapter two, it says that we were from the dust. We are from the ground is how we were created. And then in chapter three, you get to the, the fall of humanity. And from that point forward, it's to the ground we shall return because the wages of that original sin, but all sin is death. So what we actually deserve is death. Physical death, yes, but also a spiritual death, a separation from God. Now, in light of that truth, that we are from the ground and to the ground we shall return, the word ground in Latin is the word hamas, which is the same word we get for humility. If we can get low and realize, you know what I deserve? To be down here. Then there's a potential that you could look up and see absolutely everything, friends, as a gift. If we deserve death and separation from a holy God, that is what we deserve, because he is holy, he is perfect, he is other, and we deserve to be far, then every single breath of the 100,000 breaths that he gifts us every single day can be a constant reminder of this. Gift, gift, gift. And I'm praying for this for you, Faith Assembly, that this wouldn't be some message that you just agree with. It would be a message that you receive because you can look at not just life, but everything you're facing. If you have an upcoming surgery planned, you can look at this, life is not fair, why me? Or you can look at this and go, you gave me a doctor that has a, a, that has a plan? Do you see the difference? What's the difference? The difference is, what we think we deserve. I always giggle when credit cards come out with that slogan, get what you deserve, because my response is, no thank you. Because <laughs> I don't want to be far from a holy God. I don't want to be never reconciled to people that I harm. That's what I deserve. I deserve to be far from a lot of people that I've used my words in unkind ways. Anyone else? We deserve to be far, isolated, alone, and yet God, by his grace, continues to give us breath, continues to give us relationship, continues to give us this church. 
that we can come and worship him. And for that reason, we have the chance to go through this three-point outline straight from God's word. Number one, rejoice. When? Always. And always means you got it. Friends, I don't think Paul would have to command it if we did it naturally. He knows we don't. But he also wouldn't command it if it wasn't within our reach. What he means by rejoice is celebrate. In other words, celebrate that which is around you. It's going to be easy to point out the worst in people. That comes very naturally. But to find the best, and the good news is because the, God bared his image all over all of us, even those people who haven't proclaimed it yet, they are image bearers too, which means we can find the image of God even in them too. We can find him anywhere. He even promises that in Jeremiah 29, 13, gotcha. Eleven's good. The uh, plans to prosper you not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, that's good. But for, even for them, it was 70 years later. Long story. Which always makes me laugh when we put on graduation cards, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. God knows the plans. They're plans to prosper you, but, you know, in a while. <laughs> Maybe not till heaven. It's fine, it's fine. It's fine, it's fine. Good luck after graduation. <laughs> Two verses later, God invites them to trust him by saying, hey, if you seek to find me, you'll find, you'll find me. If you seek to find me in other people, you'll find what you're looking for because my image is all over them. They may not even see it in themselves. And if you continue to point out all the ways that they're not like me, don't worry. You're just going to add to the, all the shame that they already feel about themselves. Rejoice always. Celebrate always. Stop comparing. Why? Because when God created them, he went, that's how I want them. And then that's how I want you. We cannot do this comparison thing. We need to be a community that rejoices and celebrates. My husband walked into a coffee shop a few years ago, and it was so shocking, I can still remember it. He walked in and found a friend, and he was talking with this friend, and he goes, hey, tell me what's going on in your life. And the friend goes, you know what? We just bought a house. And my husband goes, you did? The guy goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. The guy goes, it is amazing. Tell me something amazing in your life. My husband's like, my kid's on the honor roll. The guy goes, mine's not, but that's amazing for you. My husband comes home, and he's like flying high. He's like, I can't even believe it, Megan. For like 15 minutes, me and this guy just went back and forth, not comparing life circumstances, but just celebrating the work that God's doing in each other's lives. And it was so freeing. And I think we even need this on Mother's Day because a lot of us compare stories here too, don't we? He's going, no, no, no. Rejoice, celebrate, because God is always moving, always working. He's always moving and always working. Always, we have reason to celebrate. But he doesn't stop there because he knows that we may not. He knows that we may be stuck with just a circumstance, which is why I love the next invitation, point two. Pray continually. This has probably been the single most transformative part of my relationship with Jesus has been this. Not taking my prayer life and putting it into like a five to 30 minute time window of the day, but rather doing the whole thing. Here's why. If Jesus died to be in relationship with you, I wonder if far too many of us have trusted him for salvation but then tried to figure out everything else on our own. Anyone else? You're like, hey, Lord, I trust you. But this relational issue, I'm gonna try to figure out on my own. This whole future thing, I'm gonna feel burdened by it because it's up to me to figure out. Anyone else doing part of their life alone? That's why the invitation is so beautiful from Paul. He's like, you can actually talk to God about everything. Now, I knew this had to be a word from the Lord because I'm basically talking to a church about this. Did you know that God wants a relationship with you? 
I knew it had to be a word from the Lord that God wanted to woo you back to the relationship. In fact, I was even studying just this week about a Genesis and how God did creation. And I always studied that, you know, he creates in day one, two, three, four, five, six. And day six, he creates humanity. And then day seven, he does the Sabbath, which teaches us to rest. That's usually how I've communicated it. But in studying this passage again, I've started to realize this. In praying continually, what happened on day seven was this. On day six, he created us. On day seven, he took the day off of work to spend time with us. Friends, our holy God wants to do all of your life with you. You don't have to do the stress alone. You don't have to do anything alone. And if you're wondering what you're doing alone, here's my little hint. I wonder if it's found in your wandering mind in prayer. Anyone else have a wandering mind in prayer? Yeah, okay, just seven honest people. Because what do you do? What do you do? No, I hear, you, you know. It's like this. <clears throat> Dear God, I'm so thankful for my thankful gratitude and I love you. I'm thankful. Um, and, and then it takes a bit and then you realize it. Shame yourself back to the performance prayer. Am I right? You've done it. I'm just, I'm so sorry for that. Um, speaking of sorry, there's a lot I have to be sorry for. Okay. Oh. I know you're more proud here. Friends, he's not. A wandering mind is a gift because where do you think your mind wanders to? Probably the very thing that's captivated your heart or the very thing you're autonomously doing in your faith all by yourself. My mind, I'll tell you honestly, my mind wanders to my calendar and my finances. It's almost like when I go to prayer, I suddenly feel out of control, so then I go to the things that I feel like are actually in my control. Anyone else? And guess what? Jesus put it this way. He said, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And guess what Jesus is actually after? Your heart. Where do you need to start looking? Your treasure. How do you find it? A wandering mind is a gift. But I know, I know like you, that we just forget. So I've put all these little triggers. See, I think trigger has kind of this bad reputation. I've started putting really positive triggers in my life. For instance, I put on the coffee machine and the minute I press the button that says go, it triggers in my mind that I let my mind wander and then I talk to God about that. Because that has my heart. And that's the very thing. So I literally pray there. I open up my heart for him. And then I go, okay, where are you going to go today? And then we talk about that together. And then the other thing I do, ready? I, I'm from California. So um, I do something really radical. I don't know if it's like a thing here. I started stopping at stop signs. <laughs> do you guys do that here? Like actually stop? No, not that guy. Don't drive with him. But I started, this is new for me, guys. I started fully coming to a stop at stop signs. Here's why. Because I didn't want to live hurried anymore. And that helps me, and it reminds me, I can stop. God stopped. Day seven, I stop. And usually I'll look in the low rear view and see my little boys' faces, and then I just begin to pray for them. Um, every time I floss, I pray for my friends. Every elevator I get to, I pray Romans chapter 12. Anytime I lay down with my youngest son, I begin to recite the day of what happened that day, and I just give thanks. Friends, I know how forgetful I am. You can steal any of those, by the way. A wandering mind is a gift because God is inviting you here. You want to know God's will for your life is that you wouldn't do any part of your life by yourself anymore. Pray continually. Hear this as the greatest invitation. You don't have to do a thing alone. Anxiety, not by yourself. Depression, not by yourself. The, the relationship that you feel you have to reconcile in your timing by yourself. Friends, you don't, you're walking with a God who's not worried about a thing.
And he's wooing you into invitation because he wants to transform your life and even your perspective on the difficulty. But it only happens as you linger with him, as you spend time with him. But guess what? That takes time. Pray continually. And then it ends with this, what feels impossible if it's found in our circumstances. Thankfully, it's not. When he ends like this, number three, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Having an attitude of gratitude is not found when circumstances change. It can be found in the circumstances before they change. And here's how. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is key. The only way we will begin to look at our life and have the ability to rejoice always because we're so low that we look up and everything is a gift so we can celebrate absolutely everything. The only way we will pray continually, the only way we'll even have relationship with the Father, the only way we will look at everything and say, God, I'm gonna give you thanks no matter what. The only way this is possible is in Christ Jesus. Let me give you a theological concept that I gave to the women yesterday, but I feel like it's for all of us. And it's this, it's called double imputation. You can impress your friends, not amputation with an A, it's imputation with an I. You can really impress your friends, not the ones who are here because they'll know where you got it from. <laughs> double. Here's what double imputation means. When Jesus came to earth, it's because he knew that we couldn't get to him, so he came to us. Praise God, that's Christmas. He comes to us when we don't deserve it. If your theology thinks that because of what you've done, he's moved away, that's bad theology. Yeah. He comes to you. He walked among us, lived the perfect life we couldn't, died the death we deserved. The wages of our sin is death. On the third day, he rose, proving that number one, he is God. Number two, he has the power to make anything dead alive. And what happened in that moment Corinthians puts it this way, for God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin, why? So our sin may be imputed onto the cross of Christ. That's the first imputation. Our sin imputed onto the cross of Christ, which means this, if you've given your life over to Jesus, you sit right where you're seated and you are fully forgiven for all of it. And I want to linger a little bit longer because I know there's people that don't believe it. All of it. You can't and haven't out-sinned the cross. All of it, church. Person who's sitting there that goes, no, 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 I have to work my way back. What you're communicating in that is that the cross wasn't enough and it is. It's not about your work and you also don't have to keep punishing yourself. All the punishment was put on him already. Our sin imputed onto him, which means we're fully forgiven, but I said double imputation. For him who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what that means. Everything Christ is, we receive. His righteousness, which means right relationship with God, is imputed back. Which is how those of us who are in Christ can be referred to as, watch, watch it, children of God. Because Jesus is the son of God. 
we become a child because his, his stance, his standing is imputed back double. If our sin goes to him, we're fully forgiven. If his righteousness is accredited to us, watch this, you're fully accepted already. And I'll tell you, this has eternal significance. Eternal significance. Your acceptance is not just for how you can walk confidently into future job interviews. Which, can you imagine if you knew how accepted you were and then you walked into a job interview? Or this, you could even walk into the gym knowing you're fully accepted before you work out. (laughs) Can you imagine? That's what's possible because you're standing in him, Christ in you. The hope of glory dwells within those who believe. Believe what? Believe that they don't have to get to God because they trust that God came to them, died the death that he deserved, and then rises to give them life. How in him, not in and of ourselves? Whew. Is that good news for anyone this morning? But I'll tell you, I said that this has eternal significance, and here's how. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. He says there, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to this faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. By the way, the reason you can bring your weaknesses is because he can empathize with them. You can bring Jesus your grief, he understands. You can bring Jesus your church hurt, he understands. You can bring Jesus anything. He empathizes and he understands. Do you feel like your friends have fallen asleep on you? He understands that one too. He understands and he's wooing you to go bring it to the one who understands but also knows how to do it perfectly. I'll teach you. Walk with me. Who is able to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin. So listen to this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with, what's the next word? Anyone else need a little more confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need? Here's why this is amazing to me and why this is probably more significant than anything else. I think the reason I'm here is for this moment, so lean in. Because the truth is one day we will stand before a holy God. And I'm telling you this because two years ago, my husband did. Two years ago, heart attack led him straight into heaven. So I have thought about that moment a lot. I've studied heaven a lot. I've studied God's word because I wonder what that, inter- that first interaction is gonna be. And here's what I know. I know that God seems to be really obsessed with two things. One, us loving God. Two, us loving others. He's really into that. It's everywhere all throughout scripture. He's like, here's my commandments. It's basically this, love me, love everyone else. And the only thing that's gonna fuel you to do all of that is when you receive my love first. But here's what I'm convinced is when we stand before God, there's gonna be conversation. And the more I study scripture, I'm convinced it's gonna be something like this. God speaking. Did you love me? Secondly, did you love them? Not just the easy ones. Mm. 
think that's what matters. Whoever just came to your brain right now, they matter. How you treat them matters. I think how we live on this earth matters. He's giving us a picture for his will for our life here and now. Celebrate others. Talk to him constantly. Give thanks and find God everywhere. He's wooing us into this. And here's what the author of Hebrews tells us. We can approach that throne, how? With confidence. I don't know about you, but when I think of the throne or I go to scriptures regarding the throne, here's what comes to my mind. Revelation chapter four, uh, Isaiah chapter six. Here's the picture I have of heaven. It's God on a throne with like a ruby face controlling the lightning. And then there's all these elders and eyes and it's kind of crazy. And everything's happening all at once. And everyone's chanting, holy, holy, holy. And they're full of joy. Is the Lord God almighty? And they're in unison and everyone has a good voice. And then suddenly they're going, who was and is and is to come? And they're like, what? One more time and someone's like how about for forever but it's also enjoyable and really earthy I think heaven's earthier than we think and it's beautiful and it's holy and it's epic and God's on your throne and what Hebrews says is we can approach that confidently imagine that picture holy 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 and here's you How? Because you can approach that throne not with your resume that makes you good enough to be there, but with Christ's resume. Him in you, you in him, in Christ. Jesus, you stand there. Did you love me? Yes. Did you love them? Sometimes. <laughs> but I'm not standing here because of my resume. I'm standing here because I plead the blood of a substitute. I believe in Jesus. Church, let me ask you. Do you believe in Jesus? If you're sitting here today or you're watching online or at any of the campuses and you're going, no, 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 I've tried to believe in myself and I've tried to be good enough, not just for God, but for everyone and I keep on failing. I have good news for you. Jesus came for you. Lived the life you couldn't and haven't. Died the death you deserve and rose to give you life, not found in yourself and your resume, but found in his and when you hold his resume, you walk into anywhere confident. Because your acceptance is not found in being accepted by them. Your acceptance is not found in getting the job or the promotion. Your acceptance is not found in people appreciating you. Your acceptance is found in Jesus and then you get to act like him right there. Because the people around you need Jesus. And I'll tell you what Jesus is like. He's an enemy lover. He loves the difficult people. He sees the one. He stops for the one. I know this because he stopped for me. He loves you. So now hear Paul's invitation. Hey, you have reason to celebrate. 
In fact, people in heaven are celebrating because they have something in common. Every single one knows that they don't deserve to be there. (laughs) And friends, if you have faith, let it humble you to go, I know what I deserve. Look up and go, it's all a gift. It's all grace anyways. It's all grace anyways. Even the hard things are grace because the hard things transform us more into the likeness of Jesus because he endured hard things too. It's all grace. And then he goes like this, and make sure you talk to me continually. I care about where your mind wanders. I care about the anxieties that you have. I wanna be in it with you always. And as you do, you can give thanks before anything changes in the middle of the circumstance. Not because God's chosen to fix it, but because he wants to transform you in it. I told you I was preparing this message. And some of you, I, I want to tell like the big stories sometimes of this mad, crazy thing that happened. But here's the truth. When I was studying this passage, my car was broken in two. And I want to tell you precisely how this looked in my own life. Because it wasn't some mass, massive moment, but something massive was happening in my heart because here's what I did. I almost laughed because I was studying this on a Friday. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Saturday morning cartoons are on, I have my two little boys, and I get all those notifications to my phone. Are you trying to spend a million dollars here? (laughs) I'm like, no. And I knew my car had been broken into, and so I walked out, and my car was a mess, everything was everywhere. And I sat back down on the couch, I'm like, rejoice, celebrate? God, I don't know how to celebrate. But I know I can pray continually, so I just simply sat there. Two little boys who are unaware of what's happening. And here's what I did is I opened up my heart. And here's what God revealed. I was angry. And I'll tell you this. Anger is one of those things that I try to fix myself or at least ignore and then suddenly explodes on the people I love the most, anyone else. So I opened up my anger. I said, God, I'm really angry about this. What do I do? And here's here's the key, watch this. I waited. I said, what are you gonna bring to mind? I'm opening up, I'm taking my little heart and I'm opening up my anger. I don't wanna do anger by myself anymore. You know what God brought to mind? The moment I got caught for stealing. No, 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 God, I don't wanna talk about that. I'd rather... And it's true, and as I was preparing this message, can I tell you, this is not the story I wanna share with you. The moment that I was in college and all my friends got into stealing, because I was the good Christian kid who never got in trouble. And then my friends were making a bad choice and I just happened to make a bad choice and I'm standing here going, how in the world did I make that choice? And the reason I'm bringing it up is I think I'm not the only one. And I got caught that day. And that day I literally went to a jail that day. And God's bringing this to mind. I'm like, why are we bringing this to mind? And I'm remembering being isolated in that jail for six hours. And I remember trying to get a hold of my parents, but they were on a bike ride. They didn't go on a bike ride for about five years after that moment. (laughs) True story. I finally got a hold of my parents. They drove the two hours, tried to get money to bail me out. They finally show up at the jail. And I remember being so ashamed. I remember walking out. I can remember the doors, what they look like, and I remember looking up and seeing my parents, and I was so embarrassed. Because I'd been the good Christian kid. And I look up, and my mom's like this. Mamas, you will never 
you have no idea the role that you can have in your kid's life, not just in when they're good, but when they're bad. And my mama, I looked at her, I'm like, I don't deserve that. And my dad whispers, my girl, you never did. I'm like, dad, shh. But I needed that word too. Like, my kid, you never deserve the grace that came your way. I hug my mom. This is all coming to mind as I'm sitting on a couch. I hug my mom. A month later, after my parents had everyone we had ever known write a letter to the court on my behalf about my character, I stood before a judge, and he goes, I've gotten a lot of letters. I was like, <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna do something with you I've never done before. I'm like, that's either really good or, yeah. Um, and he goes, your sentence from the court is to speak locally at every single high school on the topic of decision-making. Friends, watch this. I am standing before you today as a public speaker. You wanna know how I discovered it? Then. Whenever, whenever I have like a female come up to me and go, how'd you become a speaker? Here's what happened. God used my greatest weakness, which continues to be dependent which continues to make me more and more dependent upon him. He even uses your weakness. He uses my strength to put him on display, my weaknesses to keep me dependent. Friends, he wants to use every part of your life. He doesn't waste it. He uses your failure to bring you to the foot of the cross where you will find grace to help you in your time of need. He will use your success to put him on display, and he will use every single thing in between if you let him as you celebrate that he's always at work. Rejoice always. Pray continually for this is God's will. The story didn't stop there, friends. He brings it to mind. My son notices I'm crying on the couch. Mom, what's going on? Hey, bud, someone broke into our car and took my wallet. And he goes, did they take all the money? Do they have all the money? And you know what I went? I went, actually, no. And I thank God for that, we're okay. It's inconvenient. He's like, how much of it? I'm like, it's fine. But can I be honest with you? I walked outside. I said, just give me a second. I did all the credit cards, canceled them all. It was just really inconvenient. Bought new, you know, how many gift cards? I don't know. New license. Really inconvenient. But I continued to open up my heart. And I'll be honest with you. God brought to mind one more thing. There was a card that had my husband's name on it. It was a debit card of his. And I got mad again. Because that was the, the little card I would use for my boys to go, like, here's a gift from your dad. Come on. And I'm walking around like, God, I'm so grateful I don't have to do mad by myself. I know I don't deserve anything. And I'm walking around just walking with the Lord. I'm like, it's okay. Okay, so rejoice always. God, you transformed my life. I ran inside to find my little boy. I'm like, choose good friends. He's like, what? I'm like, anyways, okay. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm so thankful for grace and I'm trying to find everything. Rejoice always, pray continually, that's easy. And then I'm like, and then give thanks. God, I wanna give thanks. Where, where are you? And as I was walking around, I literally am looking and my car's just a mess. They took, I mean, whatever you can find. I looked right on the ground and that's when I picked up the card. I couldn't believe it. You know what it felt like? Grace. And here's the truth, guys. This card is just a little representation for me, but I hope for all of us. Turns out, it's all grace. The little gifts. The broken relationships and the perspective God wants to give you to believe reconciliation is possible. Gift. 
all the way down to the breath we have. And since we have it, and this life is not fair, we can rejoice. We can celebrate today, celebrate the moms. And if there's relationships that need to be reconciled, make the phone call. Just make the phone call. Don't wait. If you need help, good. Pray continually. And as you do, give thanks because God has given you absolutely everything you need in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you for this church that is ready to celebrate. So I pray that you would give us eyes to see the gifts. We naturally find problems. But God, you've given us the gift of breath and potentially a perspective. So would you do that? I pray for relationships to be reconciled, specifically with moms. Do that work in us. Thank you for the cross. <laughs> would you shift our perspective as we turn our eyes upon you and allow the things of this world to grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Amen. Church, we're just gonna end by singing the chorus of one hymn. And I hope that you would sing or receive these words being sung over you. God cares about everything, but what he's doing in this sermon is he's shifting your perspective off of the circumstance onto him to transform you for it. So let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. Let's look full in his wonderful face and see what happens with all the other things. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.